0: future CEOs on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It is good to be with you. And what do we do on the show? Well, we bring the best and brightest into studio. Those who are experienced, those who are, you know, some of them I think have gone through the mill, the business mill a few times, the startup mill, and we learn from their experiences. Some of them are senior executives. A few weeks ago we had a couple of CEOs here in the studio and we learn from them. We ask them questions about their journey, and we try and make sure that all of you and us here as well are able to not bump our heads as often as, well, sometimes our in-studio guests do. Uh, Simon, Daniel, uh, have you guys bumped your heads a few times?
1: Not yet, actually.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good thing.
2: A bunch Uh, of times. A bunch of times. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, elaborate a little bit on that, please. Um. Well, I mean, I've I've done quite a few things in in my career. Mm. Um, Some have worked, some haven't worked. Um, And I think that's useful. I think it's useful to have a a couple of failures or or speed bumps along the way that you can learn from. Mm. Uh, It's the kind of thing you don't really learn in a a business book. They make it seem really simple and if you build it, they'll come Mm. and then you make profit and they don't kind of fill in the gaps.
0: It's interesting that you say that you have… bumped your head a few times Uh, i sat with uh, gil over he was one of the dragons den dragons also the sharks now recent more recently and he described how if he could choose between two entrepreneurs one of them never having failed and one of them having failed he would pick the person that has failed a few times uh, albeit they have to have picked themselves up Uh, how do you feel about uh, the idea that you haven't quite uh, bumped your head just yet
1: it's a great question and, and I find that when I'm trying to decide um, sort of who to learn from or what books to read, I tend to gravi- gravitate towards books about people and their failures um, and stories about failure mm. more so than success. So one example would be um, Nick Harry, the Socks guy, um, mm. and his recent book, uh, Do Fail, Learn, Repeat, I think that's the name, okay, Yeah. and he talks a lot about failing and how that's the best way to learn. Um, And so I really enjoy learning from people who have failed and learning what not to do. Often you hear stories about people that have been successful um, and they they probably struggled along the way and probably failed along the way and Mm. hit a lot of speed bumps, but they're such distant memories... Um, that they sort of don't elaborate and give much detail and it's difficult to learn from that.
0: It is difficult to learn from that. And I think because the devil is often in the detail and the learning is in the detail. Exactly.
1: And so I love learning from people. Um, and, and th- there was another book, um, actually by an American guy who started a fintech business similar to ours who failed. Mm. Um, in the space of three years, he built a huge business with, um, you know, a, uh, book of over $300 million, I think it was, wow. in three years. Um, and then everything came falling down and he wrote a book. And he didn't write the book after he had then gone on to be successful on a new business or anything. He wrote the book straight after he failed. Mm. And I found that to be incredibly refreshing compared to many other business-type books that I've read because... The sort of um, the failure was still so raw and fresh in his mind.
0: There was also a bit of a, kin- a kinship, I think you must have felt, because it was a very similar business. Uh, Simon, let's let's stop <laughs> and, and just introduce who you, who everyone is here in the room. Uh, who would like to go f- go first, Simon?
2: Sure. So I'm the the co-founder and CTO, and um, yeah, I'm Dan Goldberg. Uh,
1: I am the co-founder and CEO of Bridgement
0: okay Bridgement. so let's let's have the c t o version of the thirty second uh, <laughs> call the elevator pitch of of what bridgement is, and then let's go with the c o version and see how how well they correlate
2: here we go this is the so the interview test <laughs> <laughs> so one of the big issues with with small businesses, particularly consulting businesses is you you do work for a customer and you invoice them and you 've got to wait for payment terms to kick in to actually get the money mm. so what we do is we We look at these, these outstanding invoices and we use that as uh, a way to then uh, provide a loan to that business. Okay. With the, with the promise that the invoice is going to get paid at some point. Mm.
0: Uh, How accurate was that, (laughs) Mr. CEO? Spot on, spot on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe just to add a little bit more, more detail. Uh, Fundamentally, Bridgman is a fintech business, um, with the primary aim of simplifying finance for small businesses. Um, it's very difficult for small businesses to access finance in South Africa. I mean, it's a global problem, but it is particularly difficult in South Africa. Um, you know, you, a business can spend five weeks applying to a bank, um, you know, uh, to get a loan and usually get turned away. Mm. Um, and they just don't have the time to, to, Applying for those loans, and it's also, um, you know, it's uh, most of them are not getting access to that finance that they need. Um, And so, we, uh, you know, we're trying to solve that problem um, with, you know, quick online paperless um, finance for for SMEs. And and Simon uh, alluded to our first product, which is an invoice based product where essentially we give advances on. Invoices that uh, SMEs are waiting to get paid.
0: Yeah, so it's essentially underwritten by the promise that there will be payment. Precisely. Which has its own risk, but you bear that risk um, and you're, you're helping SMEs with this, the, the ever present burden and problem of cash flow. I think that's exactly. the answer, right?
1: Exactly. Sean. Sure.
0: So, Lee, uh, w- where I want us to go um, is not so much on the business side. I want to understand the dynamic that exists here because it's one thing to start a business. It's another thing to, to start and run a business with a partner. You guys are co-founders, except you've also got a bit of a staggered uh, <laughs> entry into, into the business, Simon. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about where this business came from how the idea came together and then i'm interested in this dynamic that you guys have
2: yeah
1: so maybe i should uh, start off talking a bit about where the the idea came from mm. and, and sort of my background please um so i mean firstly i've, I've always been a a tinkerer problem solver uh a maker mm. um but i've also at the same time you know and, and that sort of led me down this path of engineering so i went to to vits and studied biomedical and electrical engineering mm. um But I was also always interested in business and finance. Um, and so I ended up going. So
0: I just want to interrupt you there on on that point, but how did you, how did you move into a a focus though? Or or have you not? No,
1: no, it's a a great question. Um, so towards the end of university, I realized I'd never wanted to practice as an engineer as much as I loved technology. I was interested in building technology businesses as opposed to, you know, being an, or practicing as an engineer. And so I realized I needed to learn more about finance and about business. Mm. Um, at that stage, the sort of extent of my financial knowledge was probably metric accounts. Interesting. <laughs>
0: and, and now you're, you're running an organization that assists with finance. Yeah. Interesting.
1: And, and by the way, I, I, I mean, just having taken accounts in school. Has been hugely valuable, mm, hugely valuable. Mm. Anyway, so, so towards the end of engineering, I realized I needed to learn more about business and finance. And so I went to work for one of the top tier management consulting companies, one of the American ones that, um, whose name has been in the news a lot recently for all sure. the wrong reasons. And uh, yeah, okay. um, uh Bain, so, Bain and company. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I got a lot of valuable experience there and they, um, stuck me pretty much in their finance division. Um, So I was consulting to banks and other large corporates, both in South Africa and in Nigeria.
0: But you don't just walk into Bain, though? No. No. So, so, are, are you a bit of a, of a whiz kid? Uh, or were you a whiz kid and you're just a whiz now? <laughs>
2: he's, I mean, the, he's the whiz of Excel. <laughs> okay, okay. My, my yeah.
1: girlfriend likes to boast that I'm uh, one of the Mensa kids. Okay. Uh, but I find that a bit embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, uh, I always, you know, I've always just loved learning and love understanding how things work. Um, and so, uh, you know, working at Bain and working in finance, consulting to banks and other large corporates, um, I really got a first-hand view um, or insight into how banks operate. Mm. Um, and the other interesting thing is, you know, when when you see a bank in on the back end running off Excel spreadsheets, it really just screams opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so it was really at that point where you know I realized I've, uh, and this was probably about two years in. I realized, you know, it's time to, to start my own thing. Mm. I have this newfound passion or interest in finance. Um, I still love tech. Um, you know, fintech is, is the route to take. Mm. And so I left Bain to join some other guys that I actually studied with and um, to start another fintech company, um, which is still running and, and doing really well. And that is a sort of, f- uh, a Financial regulatory compliance okay. startup, bit of a mouthful, but essentially it's solving the problem of FICA.
0: Sounds much more boring <laughs> than uh, Bridgment does. <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, as sexy as regulatory compliance sounds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Daniel Simon. A, a little bit about yourself, and then what I'm really interested in, because you you are regarded as co-founder, except you came in much later. Then Daniel, uh, so let, let's talk about your background and then a little bit of that as well,
2: please. Sure. So I'm, I'm very much focused on the tech side, um, and it's always been a it's always been a passion of mine. Okay. Um, and I think being being a, a little little bit older than Dan, uh, it just meant that I grew up in a a time when you had to put more effort into the computers. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just click a few buttons and have kind of servers appear and things like that, uh, which was a good time to get involved. Um, but actually, after school, I, I studied chiropractic for a few years. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a med school dropout with the air quotes around okay. med school. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Um, but then after that, I I went into, into tech, um, and I've been very much involved in, in – very much hands-on. Mm. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not someone that strives to get into management or anything like that. Sure. Okay. So um, you
0: uh, – if, if I so may use a – you're the nerd – um, oh exactly, yeah. yeah and we, we, which is a great title to have. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, so how did this relationship then come about?
1: Good, good, good question. I mean, uh, from the outset, um, you know, as I started Bridgman's, I realised I needed. A founder or co-founder, I should say, um, or two. I think the chances of success are so greatly improved or increased when you have multiple guys trying to track, tackle the problem mm. and just be sounding boards for each other yeah, yeah. and bringing different skill sets and ideas. Um, you know, I realized it was so critical. However, I was unable to find, find the right person at the right time. Um, you know, I saw there was a, a massive opportunity in the market and so for the sake of sort of not missing it and getting going, I initially actually just worked with a contractor. I hired a contractor. Which which feels
0: like it could be risky.
1: Massively risky. Mm. I think I was able to mitigate that risk because of my experience in tech. Mm. And so I was able to really see what the guy was doing and not just having to take his word for it. Mm. Um, and that sort of enabled me to continue, um, you know, pursuing this goal of getting this fintech business up and running And I never ever stopped looking for that co-founder. So I spent a good year, year and a bit, um, meeting with different people, just networking, trying to find the right partner from a tech point of view. And uh, it was actually a a mutual friend that, that made an introduction, and we hit it off pretty quickly
0: um and yeah i haven't looked back it's been amazing having him on board yeah we, we've we had um, interesting conversations in studio between co-founders before and w- what we've realized is that it, it actually is a relationship much like a marriage um and there can be so-called love at first sight <laughs> <laughs> and what well, is that your experience uh simon
2: what do you mean that it's all downhill from the first meeting?
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably not down – certainly not downhill. But but how did you feel about being asked to come into a business? I mean, there's also an, a dynamic when you're given a certain opportunity to be a so-called co-founder, but you're not really the co-founder. It didn't originate with you. Just a couple of feelings. Sure.
2: I mean, that, that's fair. De- definitely the, the, the business side there and the and the initial kind of momentum came from Dan. Mm. Um, but i think it adds a lot to the to the business to have more than one one founder it definitely does yeah um, even if it wasn't a day one founder yeah. um, so it's it's very much for for the strength of the business and um, and continuity um, so that's, that's what it is.
0: What, what's wonderful so wonderful about it as well is there's a certain accountability is, that often is missing in single solopreneur-type ventures. You need that other person to push you and to measure you to a certain extent. Um, there's some really nice quotes about how when performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported, so in other words, you, you're made accountable, that the rate of improvement goes um, through the roof. You know, becomes exponential potentially.
1: Absolutely, and I, mean, I think uh, you know any startup is a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. Mm. Um, and having someone to share the highs as well as the lows with is really important. Mm. Um, if you're a solo founder, those lows are probably a lot lower or more difficult to work your way through. Um, and so yeah, it, it it totally makes sense.
0: So you use the word hits it off. Which, was, which is an interesting phrase. How did you guys then realize that there was actually something that could be worked here? Because you, you were talking about you weren't meeting the right people. So yeah. the, that speaks to a misalignment. What had to align for you to be able to say Simon is the person? And then, Simon, for yourself, why did you decide to leave what you were doing and, and join Dan in this, uh, what can often be a risky venture or quest? Um.
2: So, yeah,
1: yeah. I think um, it was really finding someone that shared a passion in using tech and the latest tech to solve big problems. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that I'd met previously didn't really share that passion.
0: Well, how did How did you know that though? Because people people can yeah. use words, but how do you see through that?
1: I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think it's it's uh, just a bit of a sense that I had of Simon, but also seeing. The way he had worked previously and some of the projects he had done for himself and for, you know, working with other people, um, it just drew me towards him quite a lot. I thought mm. he, he would fit so well into, into the team and helping, helping me and us tackle the
2: problem.
0: Mm. And then yourself, Simon, why, why here? Why now?
2: So for, for a long time, I've run my own small business and it was definitely a, um, a um, a new a new venture that I could I could relate to. Mm. Um and even though the the first offering like Dan said is, is around the invoices, uh I mean that was a problem that I definitely faced as a consulting as a consulting business. Um so being able to find financing without having to go via the banks, which just seems like such a punitive thing to do when mm. you when you interact with banks. Yeah. Uh it was definitely something that I could I could see the see the need for.
0: What's interesting is you're talking about scratching your own itch, uh, and we've heard that time and time again. Uh, often businesses come out of scratching your your own itch. Where did this business idea come from, so mm. uh, I beg your pardon, Daniel.
1: Um, so I think it was, so. At my previous uh, fintech startup, it was really, you know, we had huge exposure to the financial services industry, playing in financial regulatory compliance. Yeah. Um, And so having interacted with all of these other financial institutions as well as, um, you know, the previous consulting experience, consulting and working with banks, you know, I realized that there was a problem there and that SMEs were not being serviced adequately. Um, Also, at our previous company, being an SME, a small business, Mm. um, I saw firsthand what happens when cash flow um, is slow or dries up, dries up yeah. Um and the, the decisions you're forced to make and the situations you're put in um, it's a it's a big problem it's i mean it, it's a big cliche but it's it is the number one killer of all businesses it right is, yeah. and so you know the the credit gap for um, small businesses in south africa the credit gap just being you know the amount of credit or finance needed by smes that are not getting it it's estimated anywhere from 80 billion rand to multiples more. So there really is a, a big need for it. Mm. Um, that drew me toward, you know, that seemed like a significant big problem that I was interested in solving. Um, obviously taking inspiration from a lot of the innovation that we've seen internationally. Um, but then looking at how we could incorporate those learnings and innovate in South Africa mm. and and yeah um, you know the invoice finance product is just one of the first ways in which we're solving that problem I um, mean you hear people complaining about late payments from government and large corporates all the time mm. and that really puts a lot of strain on businesses um, I've, I I mean I've heard some corporates have a fixed payment period of 120 days so a business needs to deliver a service or a product incur all the costs pay rent pay salaries yeah. raw materials and then wait, sit around waiting for four months to get paid. I mean, yeah, that's just crazy. mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's one of the primary causes of cash flow problems for businesses. And so it was a great place to start tackling that problem with this invoice finance product.
0: Mm. So the, uh, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Sorry, Simon, this is not going to go to you. Uh, this, the, the first six months, that's always an adventure. Mm. What, what, what did you, what, what were your feelings? I mean, there's, there's so many different. Uh, phases to that as well there's the first week oh, yeah. which is exciting and, and fantastic or maybe not maybe it's <laughs> damn scary um, it,
1: it was definitely damn scary oh, okay yeah
0: but then talk talk us through that that feeling
1: yeah so so firstly um one of the biggest things i remember is just being a solo founder mm. it's it's lonely mm. um and immediately, I, lonely. immediately lonely and i do not advise it at all um mm. It, it it was scary. I mean, it was a it was a big task. Starting a finance business um, is a big, big task. Um, not just from a tech point of view, but also from a capital point of view. I mean, we were our sort of capital requirements are very different to any other tech startup, where you can you know put together some tech, some software, and hopefully launch an MVP um, without incurring massive costs. Yeah,
0: very bootstrappable, easily bootstrappable. Exactly,
1: yeah. but when you're starting a finance business and you know that the first to go live, you have to give finance to a customer, which is going going to be in the range of a couple of hundred thousand or a million rand, whatever it is. Um, and so it's a lot more capital intensive um, and much uh, sort of, uh, um, I don't want to say more difficult, but… um
0: well, there's a risk there. Yeah, there's much a, more risk a involved. Nervousness Absolutely <laughs> around that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, those first six months were tough. Um, definitely lonely. Um, huge roller coaster of emotions, um, but also at the same time exciting. I mean, building a brand new product in South Africa that. I truly felt and and we're seeing it or now um you know really helps smes solve cash flow problems that yeah. excitement trumped any of the loneliness or the 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 fud as the uh, crypto guys like to call it yeah. fear uncertainty or doubt
0: yeah yeah exactly so I'm, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you guys have faced uh, i mean of course they're going to be like some of the run-of-the-mill things that that uh, any co-founding team may uh, endure or e- experience. Maybe you can pinpoint one of the biggest challenges you guys have have faced. Maybe share an experience, and then w- what did you take out of that?
2: Well, I think it's been really important to uh, to keep a really uh, tight tight monitor on what's happening in terms of the actual technology. Okay. Um, and that can be that can be pretty all-consuming um, because of the way that Dan started the company. It's very much a a remote-first uh, mindset, even if we we're in the office together. Mm. Um, so we've we've been able to use some really interesting technology to keep track of of what's going on and where potential performance bottlenecks are and things like that. Um, so that's been a really interesting, really interesting journey from a from a tech point of view. Okay.
0: Um, uh, do you have a, a a particular challenge that stands out in your mind or something that Probably could have been avoided, but um, you didn't. Maybe you didn't even know better, and you just had to take it head on.
1: Hmm. Good question. Well I think uh, in in the early days, uh, this was probably in the first um, first month. Um, I initially hired a contractor developer to start building out the the platform. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned before, you know, being an engineer, having a lot of tech and development experience, I felt that I was able to mitigate any so, sort of risks mm-hmm. um, from a tech point of view and the quality of the tech that the contractor was putting out. Um, what I didn't foresee was hiring the wrong type of contractor who was okay. not going to be able to fulfill, um, you know, what, what – uh, we were agreeing to. Um, and so looking back, uh, how that ended up was basically after a month just ended up, um, parting ways and finding a new contract who has been amazing and, uh, worked with for a very long time. Mm. Um, but you know, looking back, I think I probably jumped into it, um, a bit too quickly. Okay. I think I was so keen to get, going, and I felt like I was missing the boat, um, you know?
0: Okay, so it was anxiety that pushed you, not a sense of overconfidence or maybe even arrogance? So.
1: I, I mean, it's def- definitely possible. I think okay. it's pro- probably a bit of both. Um, you know, I ju- one of the key learnings there was just that you know the sort of level of communication amongst team members, whether contractors, full time, part time guys, it's just it's so important um, to communicate clearly and effectively all the time. Mm. Um, and as soon as that breaks down, uh, it's it's really difficult to to move on or recover from there.
0: And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying to someone, "I I need you to do this now. Tell me what you think I need you to do." Yeah. Because because communication is a two-way street. Absolutely. And and I mean, it's not necessarily you standing in an authoritative position where you're telling someone what to do because they need to they need that, you need that feedback from them as Mm -hmm. well. But it's it's get the feedback. You can't just you can't just transmit a broadcast and think that you've been heard or understood because that's not communication. Absolutely. And
1: that's so true in in the space that we're in, especially you know you're working with. Um, you might be working with tech people, software developers, um, and you're explaining complicated financial concepts and algorithms and things like that mm. that they're not familiar with. Um, you know, uh, uh, many developers that I've worked with in the past don't know what an accounts receivable is. Mm. Um, Simon does. He's owned his own business. So sure. he's, he's had an amazing combination of those skill sets or, or, or knowledge, but, but, um, you know, communicating those sorts of concepts to, um, technical people that might not have a financial background is is complicated mm. and so useful to get them to to almost confirm and, and repeat what you 've just explained to them
0: we, we released a a podcast last week It was a, the converse, a conversation that I had with the CEO of the davinci Institute a remarkable individual uh, very intelligent, probably ten times as smart as I am but he 's got this very interesting mix of background theology philosophy and psychology and that can make a busy head (laughs) but what's so interesting about that is that we were just talking about this idea of innovation and how innovation doesn't happen uh in in specialist silos often rather it happens as a result of this cross disciplinary understanding and what so what i so appreciate appreciate about each of you, both of you, um, is the fact that you've got multiple different backgrounds, um, a a medical school dropout (laughs) with with a love for tech, engineering, but then this interesting business transition into consulting. Mm. I mean, that's a formidable bunch of learning that then takes place and you get innovative products like potentially Bridgment and some of the other products that you're going to be pulling out. I'm interested to understand this though about each of you. What kind of entrepreneur are you? Because there's different types of entrepreneurs who thrive in, at different points in a, in a business as well. So you, you've called yourself a tinkerer. <laughs> you know. um, yeah. And I'm interested to explore that. Simon, let's go to you first um, and get your voice back into this conversation. What kind of entrepreneur do you think you are?
2: So I, I really f- enjoy the, the creative side uh, and okay. being able to actually, um, actually build something and, and ship it. Uh, I think that's that's really important. Uh, I don't think the idea means too much. I think the ability to actually bring something to market to is execute. more important. Okay, um, that's why I always always kind of laugh when people are are wanting you to sign like NDAs mm. before they share the idea, because yeah. invariably the next year you're going to hear the same idea from them and they haven't done anything. So, so definitely the the ability to execute is is something that I enjoy.
0: I started a business when I was I think how old was I 17 or so and I went and shared it with a mentor of mine who was a management consultant and quite a well-regarded consultant Uh, and um, he said you need to move now stop stop dreaming and using uh, and what's the right term ruminating about the idea and move now because 10 other people out in the world maybe a hundred maybe a thousand have had this exact same idea and they're just not moving they're not moving quick enough so to your point go to market MVP, Minimum Viable Product, Create. And so you, you're that guy.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I enjoy it.
0: Okay, very nice. The Tinkerer, <laughs> where does that place you on the spectrum of entrepreneur? Yeah.
1: Um, so it reminds me of a book I read a while ago um, by Linda Rottenberg, who was the uh, one of the founders of Endeavor. Are you, are you familiar with the I'm organization? In, I am, yes. Say so in the book, she speaks about four entrepreneur types, and I'm trying to to remember what they were. I think it was a diamond, a star, um, a rocket, and a, a transformer. Mm. And in terms of those four personality types for entrepreneurs, I definitely consider myself on the sort of rocket transformer side of things. Okay. Um, examples of those being um, so so on on the rocket side, it's like Jeff Bezos, it's guys that are looking to reach ultimate efficiency Mm -hmm. um and constantly improve um and transformers being like howard schultz and and others who will take existing concepts and improve them yeah and
0: just iterate iterate, exactly
1: compared to the diamonds and the stars being like elon musk um who just creates completely new amazing things completely disruptive um and Richard Branson, um, who are the diamonds like the uh the the big personalities and trendsetters, mm. don't really consider myself either of those two. So definitely much more of a transformer So process slash. of
0: elimination says <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of these others. No, right? so
1: it's it's definitely around you know, I'm I'm interested in, you know, constantly improving, um, automating, increasing efficiency, simplifying. Um I'm not one of these um, loud. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Um,
0: Obnoxious. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> don't want to say that, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. No, but yeah. but certainly, um, yeah. You know, personalities that are are loud and proud and out there. I think that's what I've he- I've heard you say. The the place um, that you're describing though, which is this constant need for improvement and efficiency, that that can be a busy place. That can be an exhausting place. Uh, just just a word to our entrepreneur listeners out there um, who are interested in understanding how you rejuvenate. How do you how do you pull away from a business which is often a, a it's a baby, it's a child that constantly needs your care, or you, at least you think it does. Uh, how do you how do you take a break?
2: Uh, I think that's that's really important. I think particularly when it's a, a small startup, and and obviously there's a lot of pressure. I think you've got to look to to sustainability. Um, and, and overworking And then you know, burning out Is, is not going to help anyone um, So I really try and switch off Over the weekend uh, As much as possible um, What does switching off
0: mean though? Because so, it's difficult for people to switch off They can they can move into a different environment But how do you actually switch off? So I'm just thinking about all those others That are, are similar to you That are hearing and saying I can see myself re- re- reflected in Simon But they can't switch off How do you do that?
2: Uh, I really enjoy reading books. Okay. So that's a, that's a nice escapism, um, and also try and be really conscious about how much screen time you've got. Mm, okay. Uh, which is not not easy. Mm. Um, it really isn't, uh, particularly with the new you know the new iPhone uh, giving you prompts of how many hours you've spent on your phone <laughs> yeah, a day. That's sure. that's a bit depressing. <laughs> um, but Does again, just, just being just trying to be really conscious of that.
0: Okay. And yourself.
1: Ex- exercising um for me is critical so mm-hmm. every morning i'm up around 5:30 and 6 um just to do some exercise and i find that that has massive benefits in terms of coping with stress and all the pressures um, mm-hmm. that go with the with a startup um are, are
0: you saying that you get angry on the weights or is it just <laughs> it's just the ability to to get the juices flowing
1: yeah exactly it's it's just you know getting getting all of those uh whatever it is the um pain releasing or hormones oh, or endorphins, or endorphins and, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also I, I picked up yoga a couple of months ago. So I do yoga once a week on a Sunday. Okay. I have a bit of a Sunday evening ritual. Um, that sort of gets, clears up my head and gets me started or in a, in a good place for the, for the week. Um, Tim Ferriss mm. is,
0: Tim Ferriss is pretty good at that. It's, um, picking up on what people's rituals are, routines are, and then mm. either copying or, or, or improving on that kind of stuff. Um, and it does seem that really successful entrepreneurs are those that can put some form of structure in their lives and, and disciplines, boundaries. Um, we are running out of time. <laughs> in fact, we ran out of time about seven minutes ago, but we just carried carry. We carry. We carried on going because it's been a very interesting conversation. Maybe we can do some just a couple of quick-fire questions. And it's it's been a fascinating conversation so far. I'm interested to know, Simon, who inspires you? So who do you look up to as a either role model or an entrepreneur that you would want to be like?
2: So I'm I'm a big fan of learning from the, the older tech companies mm-hmm. uh, like Atari. Okay, uh, interesting. So I, I think definitely getting getting motivation and inspiration from that that era is is really really valuable to me
0: you um, have presented a can that we can't open but i'm interested to open we'll probably do it off air and then have another discussion around why why the older tech companies and why not these new ones we'll do that uh, maybe in another conversation um y- yourself daniel who, who who do you look up to and say that's that's my my north star
1: <laughs> yeah um i think sort of internationally uh, Jeff Bezos for me and it might be a bit cliche but i i really it's not cliche, it's yeah, a, yeah he's, he's a successful <laughs> I mean, uh, incredible yeah, individual I, I love what he does and i i feel like uh, my personality resonates a lot more with him than what someone you know someone like Elon Musk uh, um, and his personality mm. uh, I mean I love the work that he's doing and mm-hmm. he is hugely inspirational but I find uh, Jeff Bezos is definitely that person um, more closer to home or locally uh, I grew up around some really successful businessmen um, like Robbie brozen from Nando's mm. and, and Ian Furr uh, from Subway. yeah um, and we've had Ian here in the studio yeah, yeah? yeah, yeah. Um, both of which are huge uh, um, sort of inspirations and, and also mentors yeah. Mm.
0: yeah I remember Robbie and we were at the, what hotel was it? The, um, I was going to say Balalaika. It definitely wasn't. Anyway, it was at a hotel. Fifty people in the room get to ask him questions. A fascinating conversation. And then Ian, who is also just, I mean, Bay has gone from from very small to very large very quickly. Fascinating guy. Thank you for sharing. Um, the book that is on your, si-
2: your bedside table. Uh, it's Guy Kawasaki's The Art of the Start. Okay, interesting.
1: Uh, so, just finished Nick Harry's uh, Do Fail, Learn, Repeat. Okay. Uh, moving on to some science fiction at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. You have, you've got to let some of that uh, creative stuff Yeah, flow. stimulate some
1: of the creative juices. Yeah. Exactly.
0: It's, am- it's amazing how when I think about all the science fiction and the movies and things that we used to watch when we were younger and how the future is now. It's, a, it's an incredible place. Uh, the worst advice you've ever received, Simon?
2: I think trying to copy copy directly from successful people, okay, I think you 've got to take it with a pinch of salt uh, often that's the that's the nice elevator pitch it 's not necessarily what what actually has worked mm-hmm. um, so you' just got to be kind of wary of that
0: mm, very nice
1: that's a good question I'm struggling to to think of something
0: um, well let 's go with the best advice you 've ever received. maybe the worst uh, will come to you best advice you 've received. Uh,
1: so definitely around just launching products as quickly as possible and that if you're not launching... If you're not embarrassed when you go live, you launch too late.
0: Yeah, that's a, um, that's a really good phrase. Yeah, If you're not embarrassed... When you go live, yeah. it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
1: And I, I mean, we briefly touched about our, our website earlier. It's got super limited information on the, at the moment. I am embarrassed every time someone says oh, they, really? look, they look at our website. Yeah, um, And we're busy revamping it. I mean, it will be up and running soon, the new, the new version with much more information. But it's a, it's a matter of just getting out there.
0: Well, I thought it was actually quite – it was brilliant because <laughs> what, what you can't do is you can't get lost and that was what was so refreshing about it was that on many websites you can you walk down a certain kind of rabbit hole and you, you don't know where you're at eventually or into a labyrinth but in your case it was, it's very plain, it's very simple Anyway, I don't know if you should take <laughs> it okay, fantastic uh, what do you believe your greatest weakness is Simon, and then maybe you can Daniel, what, what's Daniel's greatest <laughs> weakness we won't make you do that but your, what do you think your greatest weakness is
2: I, I can definitely get bored really quickly
0: okay, how do you compensate for that
2: I was kind of hoping you wouldn't you wouldn't answer that to that <laughs> far. <follower. laughs> okay. <laughs> um, right. I, I don't think it's necessarily a terrible weakness because mm. I I can I can use it to my advantage. Mm. Um, but it, it can be it can be an issue.
0: Okay. Uh, how do you, Daniel? How do you compensate for uh, Simon getting bored easily?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't get bored
1: easily. <laughs> I okay. I can definitely uh, uh, stick to something for a long time. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, In terms of my weakness, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, In terms of my weakness, probably. So I'm I'm definitely naturally a perfectionist, Mm. which may sound like a a good thing, Um, and it is good in certain environments, in university and some corporate environments as well. Um, In a startup, perfectionism is often not good. It's a killer. Um, It's it's it's, it's that time killer. Exactly, you're not getting to market again.
0: Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay very nice there's a nice balance uh, uh, uh that that is emerging here okay and then uh, finally uh, if we can um if we look at each other or look at ourselves rather um and we and we look at the young 20 year old future ceo you the future entrepreneurial you if you could go back in time and you could speak to yourself what is it that you would say to yourself the 20-year-old you, Simon.
2: So my 20s were a lot further back than Dan's 20s. <laughs> um, okay. I think I think the main thing would be to 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 continue learning. Mm. Or okay. continuously learn.
0: Continuously learn. Does that mean that at some point at that uh, when you reflect on your journey you weren't learning?
2: You stopped? I think there's definitely been gaps. Mm. Uh, I, I did spend a couple of years in in corporate purgatory, so uh, and which it they, can be purgatory, huh? which they do tend to kind of knock out any any um, kind of dream of of learning or or moving forward, which mm. is which is silly. Um, but uh, again, having my own business, it, it forces you to learn the whole time, mm. uh, which is definitely something that I've I've enjoyed doing.
0: Okay, so avoid corporates. For, you? for for you specifically. Avoid? No, I think maybe for everyone, but I mean, that's a separate discussion. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but um yeah, continuous learning.
1: Uh, for me, it probably probably would be two things. Uh one is just start sooner, start earlier. Okay. Um, um, I uh I, I, yeah, I, I wish i had delved into entrepreneurship earlier on. Um you know, I feel like a bit of a fraud that I don't have a story about selling toys at high oh, school, yeah. you know, like most, many other entrepreneurs do mm. have. Um, so I wish that I would sort of started just earlier, not necessarily in school, but, but, um, definitely earlier on in my career. Um, yeah. And I think also. You know, in the early stages of the business, um, you you see a lot of stuff happening and you're, you know, those, the rollercoaster of emotions that I spoke about, the highs are, are pretty high and the lows are also pretty low. And I, I think I would just tell myself, you know, whatever you, you you think is, you might, may think something is so important or so Mm -hmm. critical and is always, you know, really bad if something happens, whatever. And the majority of the time, a year later, it's just, you realize like actually, um, you shouldn't have been worrying about that so if I could go back I would say you know don't, don't worry so much about those things mm. you
0: know. okay start, start earlier don't worry about some, don't sweat some of the small stuff yeah. I guess you yeah. could use that little that phrase sometimes the small stuff doesn't feel like small stuff <laughs> in the moment though exactly um, Daniel Simon co-founders of Bridgman thank you so very much for being in studio with us thank you for sharing um, thank, and you. thank you and thank you for what you do Uh, you're filling a a gap which is so important and necessary especially at this particular point and time in our country where we need entrepreneurs to succeed and if cash flow is one of the reasons we don't succeed thank you for doing what you're doing <laughs> we really appreciate it thank you for being in the studio Thanks, welcome. Welcome. Thank it's you. it's been great alright that's all we have time for this week we'll see you same time same place next week go to cliffcentral.com or future-ceos.com and you can listen to f- over 400 450 different conversations from CEO conversations all the way through to entrepreneurs that are doing incredible things just like Bridgman here We're, the Bridgman team with us here today. We will see you next week. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com.